0: 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at JoinMIDI.com.
1: Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring.
0: A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh?
1: Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right, ChumbaCasino.com has over a 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, Forward work related to the bylaw. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Stand by. Three,
2: two,
1: one. The following program comes from executive producer Lillian Garcia. Every athlete is on this quest. Hey! Every performer dives in head first, battling real-life challenges and overcoming obstacles in an effort to make their dreams reality reality Singer, speaker, and 15-year WWE host Lillian Garcia was the first woman to ever announce WrestleMania. And is now the PFL MMA cage announcer. Oh, yeah. And now she's giving you an all-access pass to the human interest stories of elite athletes, extraordinary entertainers, and wellness experts. Now, let's embark on another fascinating journey of chasing glory with your host, Lillian Garcia.
3: Welcome everybody to another episode of Chasing Glory. Where are we in the world? Because as you know, Chasing Glory has been traveling. Well, back at the Performance Center in Orlando, NXT. Oh man, NXT. It's been on the USA network now. Wednesday nights, killing it. And the interviews that I've been here from some of the superstars, what they're sharing, they're really sharing so much of their lives to help us all get through our own struggles. So thank you to all the NXT superstars that I've had on here on the show thus far. And now I get to have more. So I'm so excited because today is somebody that you guys actually chanted for her to get signed. When she got eliminated, you all chanted, signed Mia Yim, and she did. She got signed. See the power that you have? Well, she today shares her incredible journey, and so I want to make sure that you guys let her know and spread the word after you hear this, you know, let people know about Chasing Glory. It is changing lives, so make sure you follow the show at Chasing Glory Podcast on Instagram. Follow me at Lillian Garcia on Instagram and Twitter, and of course, Lillian Garcia official fan page, but more importantly, you can watch the show now. I'm in the gym. I'm in the gym of the NXT Performance Center, so if you want to see it, just go to youtube.com slash Lillian Garcia, and you can not only watch this intro, but you can see the entire interview as I sit down with Mia Yim, and she pours her heart out. She really does get emotional important at parts, but that's because she is sharing so much of the pain that she's gone through, and she's doing it in a way to try to help you, any of you that are going through what she had to go through and how she got through it. So without further ado, here is Mia Yim's journey of chasing glory. Although she grew up as a star volleyball player, Mia Yim knew that pro wrestling was her future. Playing all throughout high school, Mia would attend Marymount University in Virginia on a volleyball scholarship, but at the age of 18, she would also begin her pro wrestling training. She ended up loving pro wrestling so much that she decided to skip her senior season of volleyball at her college to be a full-time pro wrestler. Her background of half African-American and half Korean would make her unique look stand out, and she would get bookings all throughout the East Coast. She would also gain notoriety as a manager and even manage current NXT champion, Adam Cole. Mia made a name for herself, squaring off against some of the top women wrestlers in the world. And it wasn't long before Mia became known as one of the top women wrestlers in the world. She competed for top female promotions, Shimmer and Shine, and even won the Shine Championship and Tag Team titles. Mia would also gain national exposure when she joined Total Nonstop Action as part of the Dollhouse and made an immediate impact in the women's division. While in the company, she would be known as Jade and would eventually break free from the dollhouse to become a singles competitor. She would feud with all-time great Gail Kim, where the two had incredible matches and actually defeated Gail Kim in a three-way match with Madison Rain to become the TNA Knockouts Champion. She held the title for 87 days and continued to be a force in the women's division until her last days in TNA. And shortly after, she would receive an opportunity of a lifetime. Although she was no stranger to WWE programming, Mia Yim would begin making appearances for the WWE, but not as an Adam Rose Rosebud anymore, but as a competitor in the first ever Mae Young Classic. She would defeat Sarah Logan in the first round, but would lose to future rival Shayna Baszler. She would be invited to the second Mae Young Classic and would make it to the quarterfinals before losing to the eventual winner, Tony Storm. However, her performance would not go unnoticed and received chants of, please sign Mia from the crowd, which were heard so loudly by WWE officials that shortly after, Mia Yim was offered a WWE contract. The blazing baddie has been a consistent threat to the NXT women's division and made history by wrestling in the very first match on NXT Live on the USA Network. Outside of the ring, Mia has been active in the hashtag put the nail in it campaign to shatter the silence around domestic abuse that she herself is a survivor of. She is currently active in fighting for domestic violence survivors everywhere. Whether it's inside or outside the ring, Mia Yim has been a fighter her entire life and has no signs of stopping get fired up as it's about to get real raw and inspiring with Mia Yim all right Mia is in the house girl I'm excited about this I'm very excited now thank you first of all thank you for being on Chasing Glory it's wild I actually had my team that I'll ask them every now and then I'm like all right who do you guys want to see because we ask Fans, mm-hmm. and you know who they want to see on Chasing Glory. But I asked my team, I'm like, who do you guys want to see? And every one of them were like, Mia. Why? <laughs> They're like, she's got a great story. Oh, God. So I'm like, okay, I, I got to hear this journey, this
2: story <laughs> that you've got. So that's cool. It's a long journey. <laughs> yeah.
3: Well, you know, most people, most people it is. Mm-hmm. Um, most people, they've had their ups and their downs, man. It's crazy. Life is not easy life will throw Mm -hmm. you some curveballs that just amaze you Mm -hmm. (laughs) but it's how we get through it right Right. it's how we get through it that struggle that um also lets us know how strong we are Mm -hmm. and i know there's a lot of people out there that are giving up and i don't want that anymore Mm -hmm. i want them to to hear these stories and and how you overcame some things and all but i i do want to get to know your journey (laughs) i don't know almost Anything about you <laughs> except for the research that I've done. Oh, but man. as I was doing, I was like, oh, this is cool. Oh, this is cool. This is cool. Now, you were born in California? Yes. All right. Yes. So tell me how was life in California?
2: I still to this day, I love California. I want to go back. Growing up, I had a great childhood with my my parents um my mom and dad mom is Korean my dad is black but my dad was working in the FBI so it was yeah I think it was funny because like now being older understanding why he was so worried with me and my sister because he was he first was in the gang unit in California and then he went and helped develop the missing children Missing and exploited children's unit. Oh, wow. Um, so he dealt with like a lot of kidnappings and <gasps> child pornography and all those kind of things. So then Whoa. when he started arresting like the the big time criminals, um, probably by the time I turned 14 or 15, they were starting to like get out of prison. So he was really worried about them coming and after retaliating. us. Yeah. So it was always super, uh, he was very protective, overprotective, yeah. but now being older and understanding what's going on in the world i
3: understand but at the time i'm sure it was hard yeah because you're like dad
2: yeah (laughs) right yeah we had to be in the house by you know the street lights um couldn't go we lived in a cul-de-sac in fontana and we couldn't go past that cul-de-sac unless my dad was with us Uh um my dad never let us ride the bus to school he always had to drop us off and pick us up uh any it was just hard to do anything without my dad's approval, uh, mm-hmm. just growing
3: up. but So that's you and your sister, you said? Yes. How old is she? Like- my
2: sister is a year younger than me.
3: Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you guys were close. Yeah. Well, close in age. Close in age. Yeah. Okay. We're so- close now. Okay. But what was happening then? Um, I think because we were
2: around each other so much, like all the way up until we both went off to college and separated. I think we both were just sick of each other. So we were always butting heads. We were always in competition with each other. Um, She did track. I did volleyball. But we were, like, in competition with each other. And we fought a lot growing up, Um, just everything from friends to boyfriends to sports to sharing things. Or we, we were in the same room up until we moved to D.C., and so, until we actually separated and went to separate colleges, that's when we started to talk more and really bond as sisters. Mm. Um,
3: so, yeah. Wow. <laughs> no, I get it. My sister's four years older, so mm-hmm. it's a little different. But- yeah. Because when she was, like, in high school, I was in middle school, so we were separating one right? of Yeah. But we still fought, man. It's like we were so close. Mm-hmm. We were great. And then there was those years of competing. It yes. really is. It's mm-hmm. real. Mm-hmm. It's this con- Even though my parents never instilled that whole competition thing. Yeah. Did your parents instill that? Or th- were they... My
2: dad loved it. As far as, like, especially with the sports, my dad played football in high school and college as well. So he always loved the fact that both of his daughters were in high school sports, and then got into college through sports. Uh, so he loved that aspect, but he just never, both my mom and my dad, never really understood why we kept butting heads.
3: Oh, no, they didn't? No. Okay. No. It's kind of the same <laughs> thing as my dad was like, you guys just get along. Yeah. It's wild because my dad passed away you know, a few years ago, and I remember him saying, I just want the two of you mm-hmm. to reunite, and his death actually reunited us we are closer oh, wow. than ever wow. we now go man where would we be with the, without each other we're leaning on mm-hmm. each other a lot so yeah. i'm glad that your sister and, and you are, are seeing yeah that and for sure but so when did you move
2: uh was out you... of california yeah uh we moved to dc my memory is so bad but i think like early, late late 90s early 2000s but um, about
3: how old were you
2: i was about 12 okay 11 12 13
3: so you remember california yes cuz yeah, yeah. Yes. all right how did you like dc and why did you move
2: um my dad we moved because of my dad's job so this is when he got a job offer in dc and that's when he started the missing children okay uh, unit and so when he moved when we moved to dc that's like his sole focus was just the the that that unit not gangs mm-hmm. anymore anything like that um so we moved for his job And I hated D.C. Really?
3: (laughs) I hated D.C. Well, it's not sunny California. Like when you grow up in sunny California, the weather is amazing. (laughs) And you go to cold weather. Yeah. It's a shock. And the
2: thing is is that we moved so much throughout our lives because my dad, like we, I remember very briefly, just because I was so little, being in Korea for a couple months. And then we had to move to... Maryland for like a year, so we we moved a lot as kids So I just hated moving like but we would always come back to California. So, California was home for me But then when we moved to DC we stayed in DC until pretty much college Uh so once we moved to DC it was a East Coast West Coast and just completely different. I just wasn't I, I never even to this age, don't really like
3: it. (laughs) Yeah, well, it's just not home for you. Yeah. It's almost like you lived an army life or a military life Mm -hmm. where you move around.
2: That's how my parents met. So to me, I felt like moving was always gonna be a part of my life because of whether it's his job or I was thinking about going into the military. So it was something that I knew was inevitable, but I just, I had to get used to it.
3: Yeah. Uh, you were thinking about going in the military? Mm -hmm. Tell me that story.
2: Well, I, so when we moved from California to DC, the educational systems is completely different. So DC, in my opinion, had a higher standard where in California, like I moved to DC and then the people at school, like the teachers and counselors thought that I was slow. so I got put into learning disability classes and uh, so having that in my head thinking that I'm slower than others I didn't think I would be able to get into college uh, community college at the best but I figure the best chance to get into to a university would be having to go to the military for a couple years and okay. then going into uh, Universities. So.
3: Why did they think you were slow? Like, what was given them? Um,
2: just because of how they taught us in California. Like, and this is no knock on it. Could be completely different. But growing up, it was, uh, for an example in California, I was like top of my class. I was able to pick up things easily. Like, school was great in California. And then because the cap was so high, where in DC it's a whole different level. Where uh, I was, I transferred at like a sixth grade level. And, or, I went into sixth grade with, like, a fourth grade
3: level. Oh, wow. Oh, because, so the levels are different. Yeah. Well, no wonder you don't like D.C. too. (laughs) I mean, geez, you're excelling in California. All of a sudden, you feel like, oh, am I dumb? Yeah. Right? Yeah. Like, how did, they made you feel that way, in a way.
0: Yeah.
2: I just remember, like, being in, when I first went to D.C., I legit, failed all my classes like uh we had to take a test to see where our levels was and it was like a complete 180 from what i'm used to and um i remember being taken out of i think it was like math class or something and put into ld class and we had like lincoln logs and then had a pretty much i felt like a kindergartner
3: yeah so So. what did that do for your self-esteem
2: um it was rough it was really rough just because this whole time, my sister adapted very well. Uh, I still to this day think she's the smartest person next to my dad that I know. Um, So I just felt like I didn't belong. I felt like maybe I really am slow. (laughs) Uh, So it was rough just trying to adjust and trying to convince myself that I'm not gonna grow up to be a nobody or grow up to be homeless or grow up and not not make my family proud
3: yeah so So to this day does does that sometimes get jarred those memories and yeah um i actually
2: i created this (laughs) mechanism where i forget a lot of the bad and just try to never bring it up but there'll be like little things here and there that um will bring it up because i haven't i haven't talked about this in years and so yeah
3: it it yeah but do you find that speaking about it like it's almost like you can release it where it doesn't own you now it it does Now it does.
2: Uh, I think growing up, just because I was in LD classes, I got picked on a lot. Uh, Because I was multi, I was biracial, I got picked on a lot. I just got picked on for a bunch of different reasons that I just, it was easier for me to just keep everything in. And then once I pretty much moved out of that little town in Virginia or Northern DC, it was, I was slowly starting to talk about it. Mm -hmm. And then it, you know, doesn't bother me as much anymore, but at the time
3: it was just best to just keep my head down and mind my business. Oh girl, (laughs) I I get you, because I moved from Spain to (laughs) South Carolina and I got picked on so bad speaking Mm -hmm. Spanish, wearing dresses to school, and Mm -hmm. I ended up feeling like, wow, I must be a horrible person because nobody likes me and everyone's picking on me. Mm -hmm. and, And it literally, it lingered to where um, I noticed even here when I got hired, Mm -hmm. you know, where they introduce you, right? Your name is like all over the stadium Mm -hmm. or, you know, the arena. I remember that when I first started and I would hear my name be announced, you know, here's your raw ring announcer, Lillian Garcia. When my name got announced, I would cringe. Why? Because I could hear the girls I overheard them one day going Lillian this, Lillian that, like so sarcastic mm-hmm. or whatever that I could hear them in with my name. So I was like, I, it, it was hard for me to say my name. Mm-hmm. It, was, it was wild. Mm-hmm. So I was like, wow, it's crazy how it's lingered. Yeah. So that's why I was wondering, like, in, in what ways do you ever see it like pop up where mm-hmm. it, it lingers for you? It like, I can't even... I think
2: the only time it really does linger in that aspect is like when people pretty much compare me to uh, like being a bum or not being able to support my family or just like pretty much being useless. Mm. So anytime somebody says that it always kind of like brings me back to that time. Uh, but I always got to remember like I'm here for a reason. and. Yeah. I've gotten through so much that no words doesn't hurt me anymore. Like okay. words, I've dealt with so much, try to keep it PG. i dealt with so much crap. Yeah, that's <laughs> right, I get it. <laughs> that words don't bother me anymore. But
3: that's good. And, and the reason I ask and the reason I talk about this is to even help others mm-hmm. that are out there. They're dealing, they're getting picked on right now. They're yeah. feeling horrible about themselves. They're feeling lonely. They're feeling mm-hmm. useless, you know and words are hurting them. Yeah. Because words did hurt me at a time, Yeah. words hurt you at a time. <laughs> How did you get through that? How did you make that transition? Well, why do words not hurt you anymore?
2: Well, I always look back in, like it's the experiences that makes us stronger. Back then, I would have never thought that everyone, all my friends would tell me, I oh, know there's light at the end of the tunnel, like it's gonna get better, but I, I never believed them. And then looking back at it now, like it really is just that part of life that's hard. And it really does get better. Um, my outlets back then, I was really big into art. So I did, like, I drew a lot, I did sculptures. I, I was, oh, nice. I loved art. So that's always been my outlet, along with sports. And because um, in DC, I didn't really have a lot of friends. Um, and it wasn't until I got into, Volleyball that my teammates became my friends, like mm-hmm. outside of the court. So mm-hmm. that really helped me um, kind of bond with the other girls when I felt like an outcast. Yeah. Because um, we had volleyball yeah. or, to talk about. Or even I was always a fan of wrestling when I was a kid. And yeah. how did that happen? How did that uh, get? It was my dad. Yeah. <laughs> he used to watch, and then me and my sister started watching with him. My mom, she's from Korea, so she's still. Getting used to the American lifestyle and um, never really understood wrestling. And when we saw China and Lita, my mom was so against it. Like, I don't want my daughters to see men and women like fighting each other. But we always would just like get together on a Sunday to watch Sunday Night Heat, and my mom would be cooking dinner. It would just be the family watching. So yeah. I've always been a fan of growing, a uh, fan of wrestling growing up because of my dad and. I was the only one to kind of stay watching while they grew out of it. Mm. Um, so I would wear like my, my Hardy Boy shirts to school. <laughs> uh, granted, I'll be picked on for it, but it was- something Oh yeah, like yeah. Uh, it, that was just another thing on top of everything else to get picked on for. So it was like, I remember wearing a wrestling shirt and being the only black, black Asian person mm-hmm. in class, And we had a field trip. And I remember this like it was yesterday. I was, we were sitting waiting for the bus to get picked up from our field trip to go back to school. I was sitting on the curb. And then there was a group of girls throwing rocks at me. And I was just like, I kind of just sat in a ball and just was like playing with my stick drawing on the, on the curb and then like just getting rocks thrown. So it was like, it's things like that, that I remember. Oh, I remember like it was yesterday, but at the end of the day, like, it's my love for wrestling, my love for sports, my love for the support my family gave me and, like, the the friends I did have. Yeah. Like, it helped a lot. And then the outlets of
3: art and... Yeah. Yeah. You know. Now, you left, the volleyball and then decided to go <laughs> into <laughs> wrestling. Yeah. So yeah. tell me, because I'm sure that was, like, a decision that your parents might have been like, wait, what? Uh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. They
2: were not happy because... The only reason why I got into college was, it was for athletics. I got a scholarship for volleyball. Um, I didn't even know, my dad in high school would come and record all my games. And the next thing, like I would send out applications and get get rejected from all of them. Mm -hmm. Um, I really wanted to go to Howard, that was one of my, especially because it was so close to home, like it was no problem. Marymount University, which I later in life went to. um, But my dad made this tape and then he took copies of my application and then sent out this package to different colleges. Mm-hmm. And then one day he comes home, he's like, hey, by the way, you got a full ride at Virginia Union University. I'm like, what are you talking about? Like, wow. I, I'm not, I'm still at this point where I'm like, I know I'm not smart enough. And so I told him, I was like, I, I don't remember even applying to them or anything. And he's like, well, I sent it for you. So you got a full ride and I know you really want to go to Marymount, so just do a couple years here, and then we'll take you and go to Marymount. Like, it was, I've been going through so many culture shocks because in California, it was, I was used to being around minority, like a a bunch of different diversities. Mm -hmm. And then in DC, it was all like, mostly whites. Mm -hmm. And then went to Virginia Union, which was a HBCU. So it was like just bouncing, but I loved, I loved Virginia Union. Um, so I went to Union, play volleyball for two years, loved it there. But uh, both years I was there, there was like, there's a, something always would happen, like a stabbing or something. Oh, so really? I wanted to t- like just stay there all four years, but my dad's like, no, you're going, oh, you're yeah, going to Marymount. Dad,
3: man, yeah. you kidding me? <laughs> FBI? Yeah,
2: <He's> like, <laughs> out of here. Yep. Yeah. So I went to Marymount, and then because I transferred, I lost some credits, so I had to spend, um, it took me three three years in Marymount to actually graduate. Um, so I did five years of college, but two years in Marymount, I did volleyball. And then the last year, I kinda just told my dad, like, I I really love wrestling, and I, I've been training this whole time. He, yeah. Both my parents never approved of me wrestling, so once I turned 18, I just, signed myself up. And so when I was doing like during volleyball season, school, uh, during the off season, I would go train wrestling. And from Virginia Union to the school that I was going to was a two hour drive one way. Um, So two to three times a week after classes, I would go straight two hours train and then two hours back. Um, So I was training this whole time while still in school. And then the last year I decided like Think I want to pursue this and see where I can go with it because I know I can never make it to the volleyball Olympic team. Um, I could be wrong, but mm-hmm. I don't think I have a high chance in that because I'm short already. Um, being 5'7", I was my vertical was really good, so they put me front row. But Olympic teams like their shortest person is like five 11, six foot. Yeah. So I'm like, I already know that height wise, I won't be able to, to cut it. Right. Um, so I just kind of, my dad taught me very young to like really weigh out your options and think of the future and all this stuff. Right. So weighed out my options. Like I think I have more of a success rate in wrestling than I do in volleyball post college. So I told my dad that I wasn't gonna do volleyball my last year and pursue wrestling full time. And he was not happy, but he knew that I was an adult and I had like, he couldn't really stop me. Mm-hmm. So we made a deal where if I finished school and I finished school at like a certain GPA, mm-hmm. then he would support me and would not stop me and let me do whatever I want. Like, okay, deal. So I graduated with, I graduated Marymount with a 3.45 GPA. Nice. And uh, I took several honor classes. So I had like some honor nice. things with it. So my dad was just like, okay, well,
3: <laughs> You've you, earned it. Yeah. <laughs> Did that make you feel good and and realize, though, that you weren't dumb? Yes. It was the best, like
2: one of the best feelings in the world. Just I never even knew that I would be able to go to college. I never knew that I would have a diploma. Um, I never thought that I was smart enough for that. So when the last year I took honor classes in African-American history and I was like I just I just want to take one honor class to see how I could do in it um so and it's funny because in Virginia Union all the classes there were easy like it was very easy to adapt there and then to Marymount it felt like transferring from California to to DC again yeah. so Marymount was a lot harder but I wanted to challenge myself to see if I could do it So I was like, let me just enroll in an honors class, see what happens. And then when I actually like, back then, it was so hard for me to understand and digest. And like words didn't really come to me. And still to this day, I know I can, I still struggle a little bit. I have like kind of a stuttering problem when I'm nervous and like-
3: I don't pick up on it at all.
2: Yeah, I've, I've taught myself to
3: really just my time and you know you're not the only one it's funny <laughs> I've, the more i interview people the more they talk about that oh yeah the stuttering thing okay mm-hmm. um how do you control it for I, people that are out there that are stuttering how do you control it
2: i take my time when i talk like when i know i'm nervous i take my time i focus on breathing and then i i think of words before like i actually think of words before they come out so i can pronounce them straight on got it um but it took a while, especially <laughs> public
3: speaking Yeah, is the hardest. And I, so I, now I here you God. are, NXT, yeah, I'm just, uh, promos. <laughs> what happens in promo class for you? I'm in comfortable way. now
2: in promo class because it's with my peers. Like, Road Dog is great. He's so easy to, like, just – he gets out the best of me in promos. So it's – I'm just comfortable with everyone there, so it doesn't bother me. But if you had to put me in front of, like –
3: like inner, Raw
2: or some or SmackDown, inner, I I
3: would I would, I'm like starting now. I, I, <laughs> I, I Well, girl, this is going on USA Network. I know now, NXT. <laughs> so this is hitting that level like it's live TV. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. Guess what? You've conquered all these other things. Mm-hmm. You didn't think you were going to be able to go to college. Mm-hmm. Now you just got to know I can do this. I
2: think dealing with all that made me realize that now,
3: especially being here and having to
2: deal with a lot of the things I'm not comfortable with, it's like, well, I've done this, this, and this. I've overcame this, this, and this. I'll be all right. Yeah. yeah I'll be fine.
3: Yeah. That's what I always tell people is lean on what you've done before mm-hmm. and go, oh, yeah, I did it there, and I did it there, and I did it there, mm-hmm. so I can do it here. What are some of the things besides speaking that you're not comfortable? Um... <sighs> Interviews. Yeah.
2: Well, you're doing great here. <laughs> okay, <good. laughs> like I, every, well, you're so easy to talk to that it. Thanks. I, this is the best. One of the best. Interviews. Oh, thank
3: you. <laughs> oh. What What is it about interviews that you think that is going to happen? Like you're just scared to put your foot in your mouth,
2: or? Um, I think I'm I'm worried about saying things that everyone else has said before, and being professional, like making sure I don't curse and making sure I don't come off like a hoodlum, like just being professional and the stuttering thing, making sure I articulate myself mm-hmm. in, a, in a mature professional manner. Um, so it's a bunch of, it, it brings me back to like school yeah just having to read essays out see this is what i'm saying it's crazy
3: it does follow uh us i don't care what i'm telling you it's crazy i like sometimes i'm still going down and going okay don't you even i fell right on the way to the uh, on the way to the ring i sit there and fall in london oh on my knees like boom it happens to us all All, right (laughs) so then i'm like next time i'm going Okay, take your time, mm-hmm. do this, because mm-hmm. you don't want to do this, right? <laughs> it does, it follows you, but uh-huh. you just kinda constantly. Yeah. But this is why I like to talk about it. This is why I like other people to talk about it. So the people out there that this is happening to, they don't feel mm-hmm. so alone. <laughs> no, this is it happening to, to all everybody. Of us. Yeah. everybody. So you're doing great. Okay, good. <laughs> good. <laughs> right. You're being yourself. That's the yeah. thing, is I always say, remember to always be yourself and mm-hmm. trust that it's enough. hmm because so many times we don't trust that it's enough. Like we have yeah. to, no, we have to do more and we have to do more. And yeah. oh man, if you could just relax and just be you, mm-hmm. there's only one Mia, yeah. that's what's so <laughs> amazing. There's only one you that's got that sparkle in your eye. There's only one you that's got that sass, that's got <laughs> what everything that's been created with everything that you have done, mm-hmm. the recipe that you've been given in life, right? <laughs> it's who it, we it are, so. Yeah. All right, so tell me then, um, here you are your wrestling Mm -hmm. so how tell me about that process school and but you still finished Mm -hmm. yeah
2: uh how you
3: made that transition it was actually an easy transition
2: because when i first started training wrestling it felt so much like volleyball conditioning so Mm -hmm. in college we had to do two sometimes three a days uh wake up before classes come in like during lunch and then at night when classes are over and so I was used to kind of the grind of just having to work constantly, whether it's my face in a book or on the court or even helping other students with with their homework, like things like that, that I was just constantly on the go that wrestling training was easy. Um, When I started Getting shows and traveling a bit more—that was easy because I was so used to moving around oh, yeah. anyway. Yeah. So traveling was not an issue. Like I was used to long car rides. Uh,
3: Thanks, Dad, and the FBI. Yeah, for <laughs> real.
2: <laughs> for real. Yeah. So it was a very easy adjustment. Um, I. It was hard for me to learn like bumping and the the impact stuff that we don't get like in volleyball, but the teamwork in it uh, was. I loved it yeah it was it felt like I never left volleyball
3: so oh, it was great
2: yeah it was cool it was easy and
3: that's awesome that you had volleyball to mm-hmm. actually help with that hmm
1: chasing glory with Lillian Garcia
3: can you tell by now whenever I interview all these superstars these athletes these top performers that it's all about taking care of your body right? Because you have to perform at your optimum level. That's why I just want to take a quick break right now to tell you about a product that I found that is going to help each and every one of you because a lot of times we get confused out in the marketplace. What do I take? Everyone's telling me to feel better, to glow, make my skin glow, to um, be at my optimum performance, uh, you know, all of these things, but I don't know how to do it and where to go. Well, I'm going to tell you about Organify. Organifi has these products that are so easy, and what I love about it, they have bundles. Let me tell you about the bundle sunrise to sunset. It sets you up sunrise to sunset. It tells you exactly what to take and about when to take it. All right, so for example, in the morning, you wanna detoxify your body. So in the morning, you wanted your green juice. When you have your green juice, you're going to have all the superfoods, all the minerals and nutrients that you need from all the greens. So that takes care of your greens for the whole day. All right, so then in the afternoon, you know, sometimes you feel a little sluggish in the afternoon. Well, you just take your red juice. It's a tart sweet custom brew, and it's got the hottest fat-melting and skin-firming superfood in the world. Let me repeat that. I said the hottest fat-melting and skin-firming superfood in the world. Who doesn't want that? That's in the red juice. You take that in the afternoon. In the evening, you want to chill out. All right, so in the evening, you go to gold. It's pain-soothing herbs, antioxidants, and vital nutrients all in one delicious tea. Now, it's got two different flavors. You're going to love this because they got the chocolate and they also have the pumpkin spice. That puts you in the mood for the holidays, that's for sure. All right, so that's your sunrise to sunset, those three products. So just go to Organifi.com, make sure you use the promo code GLORY. And for all my listeners out there, you're going to get 20% off your first entire order when you do that, 20% off. They also have smoothies for in the morning. Go to Organifi.com with the promo code GLORY. That's O-R-G-A-N-I-F-I. That's O-R-G-A-N-I-F-I.com with the promo code GLORY. You will get 20% off, and now you're going to be on your way for optimum performance so that you can go out there and get your dream. Okay, back to the show.
1: Now. Now. Now more chasing glory with Lillian Garcia.
3: All right, so because I know that you tried out for here before you got nose. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. So tell me about the nose and dealing uh, with that because now this is your dream. Well, the first no—it's always the first no that's
2: the hardest because I think I trained my first tryout. I think I only had one tryout. Several extra works. And then I've done the Mayung several times. So my only trial I've done, this was before I've done any extra work or anything. Um, I trained so hard for, like, I went to, uh, the Dudley school. Cause oh. yeah. So yeah. they, they helped me kind of like make sure that I was conditioned that I, my cardio was good. The drills that I knew I was going to be doing. So I, I trained for about three months straight just prepping for this trial. Did the tryout uh, four days, um, and I, I felt real good about it. I was like, this is easy, this, this is great. Like, I, 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 I had it, I had mm-hmm. it. And then a month and a half later, it was the, uh, it wasn't a straight no, but it was a, we don't have anything right now, so maybe next time. And it was devastating. Yeah. Um, for a second, I thought about quitting um, but this was also before, let's see, this was back in 2014. So this was, I was just starting to like go to Japan and having international tours. So when I got that no, I made different goals. Like I'll go here, and then if when I do this, then I'll like I'll kind of continue on the journey. Whereas when I got no, I was like, okay, so I'm already going to Japan. I let me do something with TV. And I don't know if we're allowed to talk about this, but I went to TNA, yeah. Um, and then I got offered a deal there, and it was like, okay, right. great. Like now I'm in TNA. Let me. Uh, I was part of the Dollhouse. was like let's let me branch out and be my own character here, and then that happened. It's like, yeah. okay, let me. So the things that I didn't really. It was possible, but I wasn't really confident about. Yeah, I was like, okay, let me become a champion here. And then that happened. I was like, well, I've done everything here now. So let me, let me try to go back to WWE and then left TNA. Um, and then this was when the Mae first started. Right. So I got to do the first Mae and then didn't hear anything back. So I was like, okay, you know what, I'm just, let me just travel the world. Mm-hmm. I've been to Japan, I've been to Ecuador, um, UK, Canada, like, let me go to China, and then I go, to, I go to China. And then, so everything I've been- That's awesome. Yeah. it. it worked out weirdly but Well
3: it I always <laughs> say you gotta put out to the universe what you're looking for mm-hmm. what you want. Yeah. You really do. Yeah. Because it's kinda like giving the universe a roadmap. Okay, right. this is all right, you know yeah. what I mean? You're creating your roadmap. <laughs> I feel cool. like WWE has
2: always been the top. So when I first initially got the know it's like okay, let me take little side roads to see if I can get up there. And then all every road I took, I got it. It's like, okay, well let me keep doing this. Yeah. And um then I break my leg and devastated because I felt like my momentum was coming back and there were rumors about the second May Young happening. I was like, okay you know I'm gonna I'm gonna get it this time I'm gonna get it this time yeah. and then I break my leg like Chris it was right after Thanksgiving okay um, 2017 devastated, never broke anything before never I've gotten hurt in wrestling, but yeah. it was only like, I would take like two weeks off and then i'd be back so nothing's
3: serious and was that like a total mistake like what, <sighs> it was a freak, I, accident. Freak, accident. freak accident freak
2: accident in wrestling um what's funny is that happened in dc i would do these shows in dc um pretty much cut a deal where hey if you just buy my flight because my family's there oh
3: yeah you know you don't we'll have to worry them. about it. yeah
2: i'll stay for a couple days just pay for my flight and then don't worry about anything else Right. Then I'll be able because I moved. I've moved to Florida at this point. Okay. Trying to chase the WWE dream, um, so I didn't really get to see my family as much. So any time I get a DC offer, I take it by cutting mm-hmm. a deal. Um, and my family would always go to the, these shows just because it was close, and they at this yeah. point they supported me in wrestling because I'm able. I, I'm able to pay bills with even just indie wrestling and. Um, my family seeing me on TNA and stuff yeah. so they know that this
3: is not just uh, some pipe dream. Yeah. Like you're living it. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. So
2: they would always go as much as they can and then this particular show it was a uh, 5 on 5 elimination. So I knew it was going to be a cluster. I was like, you know, don't don't worry about it like I'll see when I get when I'm done with the show like it'll be fine. So my family didn't go and this was a show that I broke my leg which I'm kind of glad it was because My parents were freaking out. My sister never broke anything, knock on wood, but so I was the first child to really end up in the hospital Mm -hmm. and so my mom came to the ER just bawling and I'm still, my adrenaline's going and so I don't feel anything. Um, My leg just felt asleep so I was just like hanging out but my mom is crying and
3: you're like, Mom, it's just a broken leg. Yeah, I'm like, it's fine. It's fine. Don't
2: worry about it. Yeah. But she's just like, she sees my foot in the cast and I'm getting all these drugs and everything. And I'm supposed to, I was supposed to get in a car to go to North Carolina after this show for um, this convention thing. Okay. So I had to cancel that. I just stayed at my mom's house for the weekend. And then I had to fly back home to Virginia and then my roommates ended up taking care of me. But just breaking my leg was like well I won't be able to do the same stuff like if I can get back in the ring God willing I'll be able to this isn't something that will take me out forever
3: um but you were worried if you could do the same things yeah okay
2: I was worried that I wouldn't be able to my biggest fear was wrestling again like it felt fine um but you just never know. I've never broken a, broken anything before. Right, so I just yeah. never knew. Right. Um, and then my best friend, she had a fixator before on her leg. And that was my other biggest worry. Like, do I have to have a fixator? Because that just... What's a fixator? <laughs> a fixator is to, like, keep your leg frozen. They put, like, pins <gasps> with, like, this orb.
3: Yeah. So you have,
2: like, just a, a metal orb cast right. that you can't really do any like you have to pretty much just be bed rest for a month wow and then every day you have to like clean the pins on the outside and move it around so it doesn't (sighs) get like stuck on your yeah (laughs) Yeah. so I was just like please no fixator please um but doctor said you know I'll definitely be able to wrestle again it's just I popped a ligament out of my ankle so that was the biggest issue the bone was like it obviously broke but the bone can always heel mm-hmm. together, where the ligament is harder mm-hmm. to fix. Um, so I don't have the same range of motion anymore, and it's harder for me. So this is like my good leg, mm-hmm. and then I can only like,
3: I oh, can't I see really with the ankle. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So
2: I can't really. I'm not as mobile. But the fact that he was just like, you'll be able to wrestle again. It just will take.
3: Has it four months? Uh, has it been able to have, how long ago was this? You this said it was 2017? 2007, end of 2017. So, have you, f- do you feel normal now? I mean, I know the, um, the, I'm oh, sorry. Um, no, I know that the motion is not there. Um, but other than sorry. The, it's okay.
2: Uh, I feel, I don't feel the same. You don't. I'm always, what's messed up is ever since I broke my leg, I'm so worried about breaking something else that I, I, I can tell that I'm, more uh cautious yes where before I felt invincible like uh, oh, I've never
3: done a 450 before I'm just gonna do it you know what that is that's the <laughs> kid syndrome right yeah the kids go they, they, they do all of this once you, you start growing up you start hurting you yeah. start maybe not so much yeah, yeah that's <laughs> what that is so like still to
2: this day I would go in the ring like with someone I know won't let me fall like Keith or somebody. And practice moves that I haven't done since I broke my ankle, so I'm able to do these moves. But there's some like a 450, or I used to do like a spinning moonsault. Like there's higher risk, high flying moves that I just I'm just like I don't need it. Yeah, it's fine. Yeah. But other things like springboarding, um, I'm slowly starting to get back into that. And then it's always the the mindset that's mindset. That's the hardest thing.
3: Yeah. Mindset is everything in life. Physical is nothing. It's yeah. A, ugh, I, I, I tell know.
2: everybody, whoever bro- breaks anything, like the break is always going to heal. It's going to be fine. Yeah. But it's how you are yeah. up here that's the hardest I tore obstacle.
3: my ACL, so. <laughs> oh, Jesus. I, <laughs> but look, like, I'm fine. Yeah, I'm fine. And I'm doing, I'm doing, I actually became stronger because of the ACL. I yeah. trained harder. Uh, and all of a sudden I was like, whoa, there's a huge silver lining here. So like, how did, you, how did you? Get through the mindset? How uh, did you... de- uh, Skiing. <sighs> I did mine skiing, yeah. And I was out from WWE for about three months cause uh, I couldn't get in the ring. Uh-huh. Cause I couldn't bend down to get mm-hmm. into the ring. <laughs> so yes. I, even when I came back, I remember I tried to get in the ring and I couldn't so I had to announce from the outside mm-hmm. oh, the entire night. Damn. Yeah, it was crazy but but and the mindset can take control right Mm -hmm. and so i got scared to ski and then Mm -hmm. i decided no i'm going to that same mountain Mm -hmm. and i will conquer this and i did Mm -hmm. and it felt great and i just take precautions and wear sleeves and stuff like that and make sure i warm up and whatever but Mm -hmm. i will not let it yeah for sure it really is like that
2: it was such a roller coaster of emotions like i'm so glad i had the roommates to help because they both have gotten so many breaks in, in their oh, bodies so
3: they could help you through yep. it.
2: so anytime I was just like I don't like what if I break my leg again like then I won't be like I, I won't be able to handle it so maybe I'll just yeah. quit and like no like this is what you've been doing your whole like this is your life right um so I had them to lift me up uh and then I wasn't in WWE at this point so everything was I had insurance thank god um, I was working as a captionist for the Deaf and Hard of Hearing, so I could still go to work without like any activity. So mm. I was still able to work. I had insurance through my job, um, I, so I was able to do rehab and everything. Uh, I I, I consider myself really lucky, just yeah. because once again, my dad's like, "Well, if something happens, you gotta yeah. make sure you have insurance."
3: But you did do the the second May Young Classic. I did. I got I got cleared just in time for like in time. a month before. And then you get eliminated and then the fans start chanting <laughs> to sign Mia. That's amazing. Yeah. That's amazing. Like, how did that feel for you?
2: Unreal. Like I feel like if it weren't for the fans, I wouldn't be here right now. Um after the leg break, after everything, I told myself Second May Young, I'm 20, I was like just about to turn 29 at this point. Like I'm gonna give myself until I'm 30. If I'm not in WWE by 30, then I'm just gonna wrap it up. And I graduated school for IT, so I'm just gonna go become a, live the office space life. Mm. So I kind of, I, I was holding on hope for that last year. And then I did the May Young and I was like, you know what, I'm just, I'm gonna show out. I'm gonna show out. And then got eliminated. Which I never, you know, no. I'm just honored to be a part of the Mae Young. And then I get the chance as they're raising Tony's hand, I was like, oh, that's so cool. Thanks, guys. And then went to the back. Um, and then the everything that happened with Tegan and her knee happens. And Tegan's been one of my friends like since the indies. So all of us is running around getting her stuff together, like making sure that she's. doesn't have to worry about anything, Mm -hmm. so we're all, like, scrambling um, just to get her taken care of. And I didn't know this. Triple H went out to the crowd to address the situation, kind of lift the mood, and that's when the chant happened. I didn't... I wasn't watching. I didn't hear anything. I was just busy running around doing stuff for Tegan and everything. So all this happened, and I didn't know about it. And then Tegan goes to the hospital, so everything calms down, and I'm just... Walking uh, to the makeup room to get like my stuff. And Canyon comes. He's like, hey, um, can I talk to you? I was like, oh my God, I'm in so much trouble and I don't even know what I did yet. Mm -hmm. So I'm freaking out. And he pulls me aside. He's like, were you watching? I was like, oh crap. So you never want to tell anybody no.
3: Right. (laughs) But you had a good excuse.
2: (laughs) Right. So I was like, not really. And he's like, well, Triple H wants to talk to you oh my God, what did I do? I was, at this point, I'm just like about to burst in tears because I'm like, I'm I'm blackballed, never going to be able to come here. Let me just go get myself and leave right now. So I go to Triple H and he's like, hey, did you watch? I was like, God damn, damn it. <laughs> no. He's like, well, the crowd, I went out to the crowd and they chanted, sign me and I told them, okay. And I was like, what? It, it was so unreal wow. that I, I was like, I'm getting ribbed. I, I, you're not. It went
3: from is, one extreme. I'm oh, so in oh trouble too. I'm signed. <laughs> oh, it
2: was such, it was such a roller coaster that I didn't, I did not believe him. I was like, okay, yeah. sure. And he's like, no, like welcome, welcome to family. I was like, and then I just started crying. Like this is not, this is not real, not real. But it was, and
3: uh, and you're here, and now it's God. getting ready to like, like it's it's all happening as far as going live. <sighs> Yeah. USA network, It's its own brand. Oh unbelievable. You can have more TV time now. It's what a dream. Oh man. what a dream. Yes. And I know that you've been through some really tough times because you talk about domestic abuse. Mm-hmm. When was that in this whole journey? This was
2: 2000. I had to try out. I was still in the situation. It's so like 2014 to 2015-ish. Um, so this was way before I got signed, but in between getting signed and after my first tryout. So everything from like TNA to the Mayungs, um before the Mae yeah. So yeah, 2014, 2015 timeframe. Um,
3: yeah. Can you, <laughs> can you tell us what happened? Um and how you got through it? Yeah. Uh,
2: So I moved to Florida for him. Um, And to me, it was like, okay, I could be in Florida for him, but then there's also like WWE, TNA, like I'll be able to pursue my dream better. Uh, Mm -hmm. I can get a job here. Um, So I moved down here in about, in 2013, and like the first couple months was great Uh, but it always is and uh, there were flags there and it sucks because like even though me and my sister we're really close now but we were we were okay back then but like my sister my dad my mom they were just like this because I've met him once and then um, we talked all the time Mm -hmm. so I didn't really but this was only within like Couple months, so they could see like the flags, like the stuff that he was saying and the stuff that he was promising. Like they could see the flags, and they're like, you know, you're you're an adult, you can make your own decisions, but this is not healthy, and Mm. we just want to let you know that like this is not right. And of course, me being stubborn, I'm like, it'll be fine. I'm gonna live happily ever after. It'll be fine. And so the first couple months was great. There were flags everywhere, Um, just. It always starts out small and it gets bigger and bigger. Um, So it was the arguments that turned into just being called different names. Um, The competition between our careers. Uh, I was doing more traveling. I had the WWE tryout. Um, I was just about to get into TNA, these different things. And um, my opinion, I felt like he he probably felt Felt uh, like he was in competition, so it he would bring me down mentally at mm. first, verbally. Um, you know, I'm not good enough, and why would I ever sign there? And um, why don't you bring me there? Things like that. And then what, was
3: he also a wrestler? Yes. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, um,
2: yeah. And so it was that at first, and then. It became, you know, during an argument, I remember the first time, like I was drinking a protein shake and then he slapped a protein shake out of my hand and then put me in a headlock, like a real headlock.
3: Holy crap.
2: And after that happened, I'm looking around and I've never been in that kind of a situation before, so I didn't know what happened. But the first thing that I did was to clean up the protein shake. Like, Mm -hmm. so I immediately just start cleaning and as I'm cleaning, it's like, what just happened? And so I'm trying to make sense of everything, but it's still, it's not, like, I know this is wrong, but he loves me, you know?
0: Mm -hmm. And,
2: you know, apologies happen and it'll never happen again, the whole cliche, the whole generic crap. Um, and I believe him. Um, and then it just became more consistent and then became more extreme. Like, uh, there was a point where I got locked in a closet. Um, there was a point where I hurt my knee at a show. So it was kind of tender and he, uh, I got pushed against the wall. And then he need the inside of my knee, okay. um, so it just became more consistent, and then it changed me as far as like every, when when things start to escalate as far as like if voices are being raised and stuff, like I would automatically get on the defense, like I would start like back up against the wall, like squaring up just to like just to be ready for something um which sucks because there's still some things now that uh. I'm trying to break habit of, but um, there's still some things now that I'm trying to work on as far as uh, the changes that was made in that situation. So um, little things like that. Anytime I'm arguing with someone, I'm automatically thinking I'm gonna get hit. So I'm already on the guard and there was a situation I remember after him, I was dating someone else. We started arguing and I immediately just started like squaring up. He's like, what are you doing? Like, are you going to hit me? I was like, no, I'm not going to hit you, but I'm not just going to sit here and get hit and not do anything. And it's things like that that make me realize like, this is not normal. I adapted to having to survive at home to my life now. And, uh, it sucked. Like, How long were you in that? Uh, it was a little over two years. So it was everything from that to um, he cheated on me multiple times with multiple people. and But he always accused me of cheating. Um, so there would be times I would wake up in the middle of the night. He's going through my phone and he's deleting all the guys under my contact list. And it's like the hell are you doing he's like I knew you were talking to this guy and this guy's like we've been friends for years I remember um Shelton who's my brother he's oh, my I big brother love Shelton ah uh, I hate saying it out loud but I love him so much yeah um, awesome. we give each Why other do you
3: hate saying it out loud
2: <laughs> because we have this thing going where we always pick up like it's big sis- big brother little sister
3: yeah
2: tussle like just online we always go at each other but he's my big brother and I love him so much um
3: And he was able to help you oh my god
2: thanks yeah he um he pretty much offered up his home for me um the minute he found out immediately he's like i'll get you a plane ticket like you don't you get out of there like i got you and at this point i wasn't ready yet um so i told him everything was fine but he knew my whole well my family didn't know like I hid it from a lot of people um but Shelton my best friend Blake like they knew the changes because I've known Shelton pretty much since the beginning of my career so when uh both Shelton and my friend Blake they're both men but I'm like close with them yeah but I was not allowed to talk to them I was not allowed to be friends with them um if they were to text me I would have to send it to my boyfriend at the time to make sure that it was appropriate. Um, and then me and Shelton were just having a regular conversation just through text. And then he flips out and he's just like, I don't want you to be friends with him anymore. Like, he's trying to get with you. And da yeah, da da da. So it was like, I sent him a long text, like, of course, just hey, just letting you know, like, we can't be friends anymore. Like, he's <sighs> he just can't be friends with you. And so Shelton, knowing something was up, didn't know what was up, but something was up. Uh, he respected that because he didn't want me to deal with more stress. Right. So he backed off, but it was comforting to know that he would still like randomly just be like, hey, I'm still here for you. Like just mm. whatever, you know, I'm still here for you. This was before he knew anything. Wow. Um, He just knew that he was, uh, my ex was uh, controlling and possessive and whatever. But then when It really started to get bad after, um, and granted, whenever the abuse would happen, like I would, I always tell everyone, like I would fight back. Um, I am not guilty of fighting back, but as a guy, he's always going to overpower me. So I tried, um, but I remember he cheated on me with one of my then friends found out about it and then was still accusing me of cheating and then would take it out on me mm. and that's when I was like something just clicked to the point where I knew this wasn't love we were living together at the time and after being locked in the closet after having I l- legit had a break out of the closet to get out of it there oh um, my god there was a point where Uh, He pushed me on the bed, and I just, uh, there was a towel, and so I fell on the towel, and then he wrapped the towel around my neck and started, like, choking me. Um, So it was never, which is what I tell everybody, that I I would never have a black eye, or I would never have anything that you could see, but it would always be, like, choking, or locked in a closet or something like that. Um,
3: or headlocks.
2: Yes, or headlocks.
3: That's crazy.
2: So he, it was at that moment where he's choking me with the towel, and then I started – the only thing I could do or even, like, think of is to gouge his eyes, and that's when he got off. And then he got mad at me uh, for wow. doing that. Jeez. And that's when it was like, you know what, if you're just – it just all clicked at one at that point like you're cheating on me but you're accusing me of cheating on you constantly I can't have any friends like I barely talk to my family anymore um and you're treating me this way this is not I'm not doing this anymore and especially since I was slowly starting to get real momentum in wrestling it's like I'm not I'm not going to You're not going to be the reason why the fuck. The, it's, you're, okay. it's okay. You're not going to be the reason why the police is going to call my parents telling them that their daughter passed away. Yeah.
3: So, I finally left. Good for you. <laughs> you know, it takes so much courage to do that. Because they can be so good at, like, this will never happen
0: again. Mm-hmm. So oh sorry. my God, yeah.
3: You know, and then it makes sense though too, because already you have these seeds of not feeling smart, Mm. right? You think of all all of that adds up because even in school, your self-esteem is being shot down. So your self-esteem is low from that. And then (laughs) you've got this that you're like, am I really worthy of anything Mm. good? Yeah. But thank God, you t- that little girl inside of you—you t- like, you did it. Yeah, you took care of her.
2: Oh, man, it was just—I, it was at like that moment, just thinking about my parents and my like my family.
3: Yeah. Good for you, because if you didn't do it for you, you had to something mm-hmm. else had to, to get it where you could get out of the situation. Yeah. Yeah. I mean. If there's anybody out there and you know there's somebody out there right now going through the same exact scenario, you know they're out there and they're listening to this right now, crying in tears because they don't know what to do. Mm -hmm. What could you advise them?
2: It seems to be the safest thing to, to be silent, but I noticed... Like, the minute I started talking about it, the minute I, I, someone is gonna be there to help. Like, help is out there. Even though he or she makes you think that they're the only ones that matter, that all you have is them, that is the biggest lie. Because for the longest, I felt like I was all by myself and I had to handle it all by myself. So I couldn't even ask for help. I couldn't even confide in somebody. Um, so I've tried my best to be an advocate and to tell them that silence it silence is the abuser's weapon.
3: hmm So Very well put. Yeah. And now you're part of the campaign, right? Mm-hmm. Put a nail in it. Mm-hmm. That's great. Yeah. I'm so glad that you're speaking about this, that you're sharing this. Oh my god. Because look what you've been through now it's awful, but it can help others.
2: And that's the thing, when I first the first female friend that I confided into about this, she said to me verbatim, yeah, that's happened to me too. Mm. And then I was like, why why, why haven't you ever told me? She's like, because as a wrestler, who's gonna believe us? Like we're female wrestlers. Who's gonna believe that a female wrestler is gonna be going through something like this? So I sat there and thought, and then I talked to another female friend, same thing. Wow. And it was all of my friends that I started to open up about, they've all been through it. And wow. I was like, you know what? The fact that I none of us know about this about each other, the fact that I'm just finding up, out about this now after my own experience, proves to me that something needs to change. Something this is change.
3: not okay. Well, because if they would have spoken up earlier, mm-hmm. then you would have heard that you were like wait this Mm -hmm. is what's happening to me you might have gotten out of your situation way earlier Mm -hmm. way earlier Mm -hmm. so i'm proud of you i'm so proud of you for having the strength and for sharing this and and now i'm so excited for your journey (laughs) i want you to know because i knew you've been through a really difficult time and so you say you know you still get on guard and and Mm -hmm. it's natural um work on that don't feel like you have to Do this by yourself? Mm -hmm. Work with a counselor
2: or something? I've been, like, I've done therapy. Good. It's crazy how much support you really have when you talk about it because the fact that nobody knew, I just felt like I was alone. But, like, once I told my sister, oh, man, she just started crying and got so angry at him. Yeah. And to see her get that way made me realize that she has my back no matter what. And then just like when I told Shelton and him just immediately, I'm getting you a flight and you're coming here. It's like I have more support than I ever thought. And so just talking about it and being open to like friends and family and to see that even when I isolated myself and separated myself from them, they were still there for me through all of it. Yeah. So it was... It was refreshing.
3: Oh <laughs> man. So there's a silver lining in this. I know it's awful to go through, but I always say whatever you go through, try, try mm-hmm. to find the silver lining. Oh yeah. So that you could put a positive spin on it and a positive perspective on it. And now you know more than ever. I'm sure you and your sister got even closer because oh, of it. Oh yeah. Right? So mm-hmm. it brought your sister and you closer. You and Shelton, friends, mm-hmm. you know you're not alone. And now you have a platform mm-hmm. and you can talk to people and the silver lining is now, now you're sitting here helping so many other people. <laughs> so this is more than just wrestling, this journey for you. It really is. Mm-hmm. And wrestling, I think you said it, the momentum was going up, it saved your life. Yeah, yeah. Wow. So I'm so excited, <laughs> thank you, for sh- I'm Seriously, I'm so excited for your continued journey. Oh, thank you. And where this is going. And uh, do you want to say anything to your fans that actually brought you here?
2: (laughs) (laughs) Um, Can I look in the camera? You can look in the camera. (laughs) I'm here in WWE because of you guys. Um, The fans that chanted for me, the fans that rallied for me online, the fans that supported me since day one, Hell, the fans that supported me since yesterday. Like, <laughs> yeah. I'm here because of you guys, and I am forever grateful and appreciative of the support and love that you give to me. And you don't know how far that love takes me and builds my strength. So thank you for saving
3: me. Oh, that's beautiful. That's thank beautiful. You. you do have something very special about you. So... um yeah. Thank you. <laughs> Give me a hug. Oh, uh, man, that was great. Thank you. All right, where do people find you if they want to continue to follow you, your journey?
2: I am very active on Twitter, so I'm okay. at Mia Yim. Um, Instagram as well, at Mia Yim Official. I love posting pictures of my dog. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm my little guy, <laughs> so too. I am, yeah, they're the best. Yeah. So I'm active on social media. Please tweet
3: me. I love interacting with you all. And Great. Yeah. Great. Well, thank you so much. Good luck to you. (sighs) Thank you. And just my final quick question uh, that i love to ask. Has your chase for glory looked the way you thought it was going to look? The journey itself was a lot harder than I thought, but the glory is... It's here. It's
2: here. (laughs) Good. All right.
3: High five on that one. (laughs) Thank Thank
1: you. Thank you. Chasing glory with Lillian Garcia.
3: And there you have it. Wow. Thank you, Mia, so, so much for pouring your heart out there, for being so honest with all of us. As we say here, real, raw, and you are so inspiring. Your story is crazy, but as you said, so many of your friends have gone through it. So any of you, if you're out there and you're going through this, please do not take it. Like, you don't have to take this abuse. Just call a hotline, call a friend, As a matter of fact, we're gonna post the hotline right down here right now. If you are suffering from any domestic violence, call this number there. There are people to help you. And for anybody listening out there, you can just Google domestic hotline numbers and you can get help. You know, this is one life. You get to control your life. So go out there and control it with people that love you. Just surround yourself with that, all right? If you have a friend that you know that could use the show, make sure that you please just text them the link. And uh, and let's just spread positivity to the world. As I always say, much peace, love, and passion to all of you. Thank you for joining me here, NXT Performance Center, and for chasing glory. And until next week, remember to always be yourself and trust that it's enough. See you guys.
1: Thanks for joining us here on Chasing Glory from executive producer Lillian Garcia. Don't forget to share this episode with your friends. And be sure to subscribe at Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your favorite shows.
0: of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at JoinMIDI.com.
1: It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win?